0: W listeners welcome to part two of episode 5.13 the proverod episode while you're listening please head over to apple podcasts and youtube to drop us a five-star rating and be sure to leave a comment so we can shout you out later on the show we'll also be live streaming thursday night's game versus the minnesota wild we'll be joined by special guests for each period so be sure to hit that subscribe button now and we'll see you thursday let's go flyers the Flyers played the the Boston Bruins on Monday, right? They got their doors blown off, 6-0. Uh, a player by the name of Hampus Lindholm played for uh, the Boston Bruins, who they most recently uh, who they traded for. I think it was trade deadline last year. Last Let me year. just bring up his cap friendly here. So uh, I brought him up because of the return the Anaheim Ducks got for him and – his stats are comparable to Ivan Provorov's. I think they're somewhat similar in playing style. Um, I think Lindholm may be a year or two older. Uh, I think so. Here we go. Hang on here, boys. They so, had him in fantasy years ago. He was just signed to – Boston Resigned signed him, I think, over the summer. Oh, I'm sorry. They signed him in March of last season to an eight-year deal, so right after they traded for him. Eight-year deal, $6.5 million cap hit f- uh, for the duration. He'll be 36 when that when that finishes up. Stats are very similar to Proverovs. The reason I bring him up is because what the Ducks got for him, and I want to know if you'd be disappointed uh, with this return for Provorov or if you'd be happy for it. So Boston traded uh, John Moore, Erho Vajkanainen. hope I said that right. Uh, he was a former first-round pick in 2017. John Moore, I think, is a bottom-pairing defenseman. Uh, making 1.625 he might even be in the ahl i got to double check that uh but they got a 2022 first round pick which they used uh on nathan Gaucher, uh ended up being the 22nd overall 2023 second round pick and a 2024 second round pick for Hampus Lindholm uh and an nhler if the flyers got that for pro did you do you need me to repeat that return real quick or or no
1: no, I'd be I, very I, happy with that. Yeah, I me too. I heard a, f- a f- I don't know when the one first round pick what year he was drafted but it didn't sound like it was that long ago. Another first round pick, a second round pick. Oh my god. I I just take the first and the second right now. <laughs> like I, I I really feel like Pro-Overall is going to get some kind of like I think we'll, he'll get a a lot. Like I think there'll be definitely more quantity than quality on the pro return. I could see like a fifth a sixth and four prospects you never heard of who are going to be AHL career or ECHL career. You know what I mean? I, I could see that over anything of real significance, maybe one pick, you know, but I, I just, I felt felt like at one point we were considering, and they, they did consider it trading him for line A, like one for one, like that was where his value was at one point between him, probably not being a true number one defenseman and all this. Now that seems like a home run Trade for him, based on the situation. Uh, Lindholm was I, his deal was expiring, so I that also feel it was trade deadline, so we'll, that'll even out. So um, he's got what after this year, two more years at six point seven five.
0: Provorov, yes,
1: yeah. I mean, for his play, it's a reasonable cap hit, especially if you get him with the right program and the right defensive partner um the guy's got talent it's there he's playing right now disgruntled the the last couple of seasons really so i can't imagine if he ever gets to his happy place what he's capable of um it's just uh, yeah so sorry i kind of went off on a tra- tangent there yeah i would take that deal and run
2: yeah i would yeah. too that's um I'm guessing that 2017 first round pick. I've never even heard of that guy. So I'm guessing he's not really. Oh,
1: 2017. Uh, that's a little, I'm, I'm
2: guessing he's just kind of like a throw in yeah. whatever contract. wise.
1: More about him. If he's like, if he had his cup of coffee in the NHL yet. Like, cause he could be like a Morgan Frost kind of like, who knows? Right. Like he took him same draft shockingly. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, when, when he, you know, when he, he, what do you have? You know, but if he, he feels more like a throw in the, the 2022 first, I, I even know it's later. Like that in a second, and everything. I don't think you're getting after Provorov even after the dust settles somewhat.
2: Like I, w- I was thinking a first in this stacked upcoming draft, and then maybe not a team's top prospect, but like maybe their second or third best prospect, and then maybe a throw in kind of like this guy, the twenty-seven, like maybe just kind of a guy who needs a change of scenery who's not working out.
1: Or a cap guy just to make the money work. You right. know? Yeah. Like, I think that's I, what John Moore was. Yeah. Like, I, for like before this happened with Pro Rolf, even though that it's probably pretty well known that he wanted out of here, uh, I, I thought we'd take a little bit of a hit, but he's still like, there's still potential to be unlocked there, you know? And um, if found in the right situation, team or whatever, like LA made a lot of sense. And we've, we've discussed this. Like, LA makes perfect sense for him. And we were talking like Byfield and. Um, <laughs> uh there's a there's another guy that i like
0: I, you know I who they thinking. maybe could bring back. i that was i think turcotts may be falling out of favor over there a little bit i know i think that's who interviews. the other name was and
1: then they got another defenseman and it's like i don't think any of those names are honestly on the table like i i really think we're looking at a i don't even know i don't know the name like it, it, a couple of draft picks and a guy that they're set way soured on who they're just kind of Hoping for a miracle or something like any legitimate prospects, I don't. They're not. They're not getting. It. They bring or, back a legitimate prospect. I will be absolutely shocked.
2: I I was curious what his value was before this all happened, just because I don't like the way he's played the last couple of years. It's, and, true. it's
1: funny that you say that. I'm so sorry to cut you off, but I just kind of said it. I'll just reiterate. I told somebody when they were talking about L.A. And they said, Byfield. I said, dude, I'm sorry. I don't think he's legitimately like in that discussion. And this is, that's before what happened. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: But yeah, like where I was going was like, I think Provorov, if he goes somewhere else, he's going to be good again. But like the, I don't know what his value is because his offense, like, it hasn't shriveled up, but it's not at the level it was a couple of years ago. And his defense play surely isn't what it was a couple of years ago. But kind of where I was going was like, I think most GMs who are actually smart would realize like, okay, this guy just needs to get out of Philly. He needs a change of scenery and he needs a new partner. I wanted, I talked to Jim about this a lot in the summer. I was praying. That Chris Letang was going to hit free agency because I thought that would have been the perfect fit for him. And I don't know if Philly would want to trade with Pitt, but from Provrov's perspective, I think that's a perfect fit for him. Dumoulin has struggled mightily this year, and they need another guy to play with Letang. And Letang's been in and out of the lineup for many different reasons this season. But like a Letang Provrov top pair would really get Provrov going in my eyes. And Hextall drafted Provorov. Like I said, I don't know if Philly would make that move, but I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: Perfect D pairing for Philly would be Provorov, or for Philly, for Pittsburgh, would be Provorov and Friedman. Oh, that great! <laughs> and then the whole team could—it'd be a Donnie Brook. They would just clear the benches, man. Fuck those guys, you know. Uh, <laughs> It's—it's—it's it's so funny. I, I'd be shocked if they traded them to to Pitt, but they right. might be in a situation where they have a choice. If they really just got to—if things got real bad and they were just like, "We're just tired of this bad PR. We just got to get rid of them."
2: Right. And like if just, you if you if you're in the headspace where it's like we just have to take the best trade we can get, Pitt might make sense.
1: Yeah, and to be honest about Pitt, I can't believe they traded Marino. I was a Ty I Smith know. fan in his draft year, but, like, really since then, not so much. Marino was such a, like, I guess an unsung hero to the point where they, they moved him. So, I now they're a little bit in that situation that you were referring to.
2: That um, is a weird trade. Like, I, I, I really like Ty division. Smith's rookie year. <laughs> I really like Ty Smith's rookie year, and then... Like Marino, I thought Marino was a stud and then like things for whatever reason, it's strange. Like I always viewed him as an offensive defenseman and it seems like he's kind of changed his game to more of a defensive kind of guy, but it's worked. Um
1: he's Reliable. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel like any situation, he may not kill it for you, but you can count on him, you know, and that's kind of rare. I'll like, take any, him on my second pair any points. day of the week. You're right. It really wasn't me. It was he making four and a half get like, something like that, maybe a little bit more. I can't remember exactly, but like I, I that one baffled me. And um, Jim, you you should know from our league, I soured on Ty Smith because he went in my Vasilevsky trade. I was I was moving on. I said I don't see it. I'll throw him in with Capo and uh, Spencer Knight. You know, get a stud goalie and just move on. You I know, didn't. But, I don't um, remember
0: seeing any names in that trade except for Vasilevsky because my I just <laughs> I was in well, shock. That, I, I
1: guess that's good for me.
0: Yes. <laughs> Yes. I
1: will probably miss the playoffs this year again, but whatever.
0: Um real quick here guys because I I, I didn't realize so Chris Tang signed a new contract in the offseason, right? Did you guys know that it was for 6 years?
2: Crazy, isn't it? With you a 6.1 million dollar cap as well.
0: hit? Yeah, Latang's 35 years old, so he's two strokes and yeah. some head injuries. Like he's he's
1: he's not the most durable guy uh on the ice. I mean, it's, it's it's I I think the trade
2: off there was um, lower cap hit, more years.
1: Yeah. I think that was one of those things like, listen, we're going to try to win while we can. And when that window's closed, it's going to be a long rebuild. (laughs) It's going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. We can sign him to a 14 year deal for all we (laughs) know. Like, he, it's, it's to win now. And we'll, and most teams do that. That's why when people got upset about the Couturier deal, I'm like, I get it. At the end of this deal, if we were like going for it and then people retire and, you know, whatever you're going to have him around for a few years. Well, that typically happens. Like it's, that's in all sports, you know? So I get it. Like, this it's isn't be like, interesting.
2: I was talking to someone today and he said, let's go back to March, 2020. And what if someone from the future told you that in three years, Claude Giroux would be on his third team. Jake Vorchek may never play again. Sean Couturier may never play again. Ivan Provov's a homophobe. Phil Myers is out of the league. Nolan Patrick's never going to play again. Like things have gone downhill quick.
1: The Flyers would trade for Ryan Ellis, and he would never play again. Uh-huh. The Flyers trade for Cam Atkinson, and he would never play again. John <laughs> Torrell is back in the league. And he's <laughs> <one of> Flyers <laughs> and Fletcher still has a job. <laughs> yep, that's good. You, you that's strength. Truth is stranger than fiction. I mean that that is damn right. Wow.
0: So uh, sorry, guys. Uh, I'm reading uh it don't mind us
2: interview.
0: huh i said don't mind us <laughs> yeah, i'm sorry <laughs> so I- i'm reading this for the first time here uh this article was just sent to me nhl network analyst ej heratic had some strong words for ivan Provorov after the philadelphia flyers defenseman opted not to participate in the team's pride night activities due to his religious beliefs While he didn't participate in warm-ups, Provorov was still in the Flyers lineup for the 5-2 win over the Anaheim Ducks. And I'm going to skip ahead to the uh, part where – okay, here you go. Heratik shared his take on the situation on Wednesday's edition of the NHL Network program, NHL Now. In it, he suggests that Provorov, who is Russian, should return to his home country if he doesn't want to participate in such activities. Um, Yeah, let me see. Here's the quote. Ivan Provorov can get on a plane any day he wants and go back to the place where he feels more comfortable, take less money, and get on with his life that way if it's that problematic for him, Heradic said. Uh, Heradic pointed out that while Provorov is Russian, he has been in North America for quite a few years, having played junior hockey in Western Hockey League, and he's in his seventh season in Philadelphia. So I'm not going to read the whole article. I'll just read the next two paragraphs here. If this is that much of a problem for him to to maybe assimilate to his group of teammates and in the com- in the community and here in this country, that's okay. He said, "Listen, if you can, f- if listen, you can feel any way you want. But the beauty is, if it bothers you that much, there's always a chance to leave, go back where you feel more comfortable. I understand there's a conflict going on over there. Maybe get involved."
2: Huh.
0: Wow. Why that's, is guys on TV? Old.
2: That's bold. What? That's
0: so dumb. I'm sorry. Can you just – so whenever I see stuff like this, this is the way my mind works, okay? Uh, I always think, okay, now imagine we're talking about somebody uh, of the opposite conversation. Is this how you would want someone to talk about them? You know what I mean? I always put the shoes on both feet, and then it's like, okay – uh, so in this case, who's on the opposite end of, of Ivan Provorov here? I guess it's somebody in the LGB, uh, LGBTQ community. EJ Heratic, is this how you would want somebody responding to somebody of the LGBTQ community if they didn't, if they choose not to participate uh, in something that they don't believe in? Do you see what I mean? Before saying things like this, I think you have to think from both sides and it's disappointing that a, a person with his, pla- at least disappointing for me, you guys can chime in as well. And, and I hope, I, I don't think that you guys will, but just because I'm talking and, and, and saying things a certain way, please don't feel like you have to agree with me. Right. Indiv- like I said, individuality is a beautiful thing. Differing opinions uh, is a beautiful thing. Um, I, I'm sorry. I think that's straight up bullshit. I, if, I'm if not you afraid. Are, if that you want I'm being bigotry, forced- I, I think that's bigotry. If you don't agree with what's going on in this country, get the hell out. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. th- that's that's. I'm more
1: afraid of that than being forced to agree with you theoretically. Like I, I'm more afraid that the national anthem is going to end with they're going to remove. Uh, land of the free it's just going to go straight to home of the brave because holy shit man like yeah oh you don't agree with what we want well then you can just leave like um i thought that w- other countries said that and they came here that's how i was raised that's what i was brought remember the melting pot the whole concept is that just dead If you don't agree with me you, you're not you don't mix off you go mm-hmm. like i'm from here where do i go if i have an issue with somebody <laughs> Yeah. The ocean, like I just I, that is bad. I, I just that, that was on t- what, what channel was that? He said that was on live NHL to the network. NHL network.
0: Oh so, man, so just real quick, you have people that want to take his job that that want him fired, and now you have somebody that wants to send them to another country to go to war. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's Do you wild. see the extremism here? Like, we you can't have conversations, uh, with, with people who think that irrationally. It, it, there's just like I said, the goal is to have a conversation and create understanding. Why would he want to have a conversation with somebody like that that tells him to leave the country, go go to war, which there's a very good chance you might not come home. Right. Do you see what I'm saying?
2: Like I I completely understand people being outraged because I'm sure a lot of people, the second they saw that pop on their phone, their first thought was Ivan is a homophobe, he doesn't accept me. I completely understand that people are pissed off, and I agree with them. Like, that probably should be your first initial thought. But to say, like, what you're saying, kick him out of the country, go fight in the war, like, that's fucked up. Like, that is too far.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely too much. I mean, Jim, you saw my initial reaction. I was like, I can't believe Provorov is a piece of shit, and I probably shouldn't have said that because I wasn't really considering it from his perspective. But- right. You know, I, I was just like, I, I just didn't think it was. I, I mean, it's not a big deal. Like, you, really? You're going to, this is where you draw, put the, the line in the sand, you know? But but on the other end of the spectrum, never, never was it like you need to leave and put yourself in a situation where, you know, you, you could be at war and be killed. But just even just leaving by itself, it's like, that's that not true. It's not. That's not democracy. I grew up. In. You know, it just. You know, this whole thing just sucks. Just from there's, some, there's some hate there, and that like can't get behind. You know, and it's like every time I think that the two, the the multiple different, you know, either podcasts or if you want to get political, the, the sides when they somewhat come together when it comes to the flyers because there's always going to be political po- politics involved. You know, they come together because you know, Fletcher has a horrible offseason, and we're all baffled by his decision, you know, something happens and it shatters it and everybody's everywhere again. And it's just like, man, the one thing I thought was going to get us through this season was our, un- our unity and they screwed up and they got to change leadership and change direction and, you know, or pick a direction and, you know, figure it out and, and still let the young kids blossom. But now, and I think this is why it originally irked me with Pro Overall for not just, you know, playing ball. I guess you know, it's just like, look at the, the the not just the attention, but now we're subjected to this. Now we have to respond and report on this, and it's just like it's all could, it could have been avoided multiple ways, but the situation given as it was to yesterday, you know, you could have
0: avoided it, and here we are. Right, and it's it's just. And I don't think you're wrong there, by the way, Jack. Like, I, I understand what you're saying, and it's like, yeah, I mean, 10, 15 minutes, dude, come on. This could have been nothing. That, so yeah, here's the way
1: totally you feel, but you could, have, you could have you could have, saved yourself, but mainly your teammates and the fans who pay your paycheck and your organization who's employed you for however long. I'll, I'll, and if you honestly want to be moved – this doing what you did did not help you, you know, like you could have saved a lot of agita by just, just, just donning it for a couple of minutes. And I get it. People will get all bent out of shape about some of that. You shouldn't have to do this. You have to do that. It's like, at what point do you, you, you take a self interest in yourself and, and what, and, and in your teammates for that matter. And, you know, just, just, I do things all the time. I don't want to do, you know, I do it for the greater good, you know, is the way I put it, you know, and it's like, come on, man. Like, uh, and now look where we're at. Now look what we're talking about. Like, I think we briefly mentioned Frost's goal, Risslein, Risslein's game, you know, and it's, it's just been a hundred percent pro and it's just, I really hope that we don't have to do this again next week (laughs) because it's, 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 uh, I'm already feeling myself getting tired of it and, do you guys think he gets booed
2: when he touches the puck Thursday
1: oh my god you're gonna it might it might be a sniper in a rafters man <laughs> it, yeah makes it
2: so
0: it's bad yeah I don't know that'll be interesting to see um we'll have uh Paul at the game who said hi earlier
2: Sorry, hey I missed you. what's up Paul
1: oh the analytical powerhouse that is Paul Pollock
0: <laughs> um so yeah let's kind of move forward a little bit here we uh have a lot of positives to get to um flyers won last night kind of you know forgotten in all this they Woo-hoo! won what was it five to two uh a hat trick yeah, Uh Hayes added the hat trick on the empty netter yep uh yeah first career hat trick uh it's good stuff was surprising to see
2: shameless shameless plug here but i actually called it um when it was four one And we took that penalty. I said to Amadeo, who was sitting next to me in the press box, I said, all right, uh, they're going to get a quick one here. Pull the goalie. We'll put Hayes out there and we will get the empty netter. And that's exactly what happened.
0: I think I saw your video. Did you did you have that in the video? Uh,
2: No, but I I took the camera out because I kind (laughs) of that's kind of what I was thinking was going to happen.
0: Yeah,
1: and it did. I wish you, your foresight could have been there on the Proverball thing. Somebody could have, you know, <laughs> heard something out there. <laughs> maybe painted his actual jersey or something without right. noticing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Kevin Hayes. So he's having a career year at this point. And <laughs> another player, maybe another player who, you know, we've we've heard his name come up in potential trade rumors. I think maybe some of it's hope. On the fan side of things and uh, the other side, he, you know, maybe he's not getting along with the coach like uh, like we'd all hoped or seemed like it was going to happen at the beginning of the year. Uh, currently, he's dropped off his point-per-game pace a little bit. He's got 40 points in 44 games, uh, 13 goals, 27 assists. Uh, Assist wise he's five off his career high of 32, and he is nine points away from his career high. Of 49 both set back in 2016-17 with the new york rangers so yeah great great pace points wise for kevin hayes
2: hope it continues he didn't have he didn't have like 50 assists his contract year no
0: no uh unless i don't know but he had 28, a great year because i'm sorry yeah 2018-19 he had 35 points Yeah, had i'm sorry 35 assists he had 28 assists with the rangers and seven with the uh, Jets, Jets, and then he had 54 points. So 42 points with the Rangers and 12 with the Jets. So 54 points is his wow. career high. I'm sorry. yeah. Thanks, What's Fred. he at now?
2: 40. So he's 12 off. Okay. His production has definitely fallen off when they moved him to the third line. And okay. when when they first moved him to the wing, I actually really liked his game. And then after he got scratched, it slipped a little bit. But that third line, I feel like is doing pretty well with him, Wado, and uh, Lots.
1: I think originally when he got moved, it was an annoyance isn't the right word, but he's, he's like, I'm being paid like a top line player. I'd accept a second line center role, you know, all the injuries we have, it should be like the top center. And I lead the lead, the team, or he did at one point in points, he's right there with connect me. And um, I'm on the third line. And whenever somebody needs to get benched, it's usually me. Like, he's going through a lot. And he's he's still producing, God bless him. But, yeah, it, it's a weird, weird season for Hayes. Yeah. Like, on one end, he's going to, you know, break through career highs, maybe in all three categories. And on the other end, he's in the coach's doghouse requesting a trade.
2: I, I think Hayes, is a lot better of a player than – Fans give him credit for I think just because Of the cap hit and like we all kind of just want Him gone like Jim just went over The career highs well He Probably would have set career highs in 1920 If COVID didn't happen And then the following season They started in like January And he started that season very well Until he got the uh, uh, The hip injury Whatever they called that the core muscle injury Like he was pretty good that year until that injury happened. Like I th- trust me, I completely understand he's a flawed player with the lack of defense and he doesn't always bring it every night. I completely understand that. But I also do think he's a better player than a lot of fans give him credit for.
1: Oh, and he is like his first year at the team was like, I was like, cause I didn't, wasn't a huge fan at signing. I knew they had to do something. Um, but I was like, <sighs> I was like, all right, we'll see. And I liked him pretty quickly, you know, especially when the team got going. I'm like, he's putting up some points and on the penalty kill, he's like killing like a minute and a half, just skating around the zone, using his reach and whatnot. That player is still not here, but he's, I'm sure if he went like, much like Proveroff, if he went to a situation, God forbid he got traded to Boston, (laughs) you'd see a much better Proveroff, much better.
2: It's interesting. He doesn't really kill penalties too much anymore. Did you notice that?
1: I That's got to be Torts. like being like, yeah. if you're not doing what I want you to do on five on five, I can't trust you five on four.
2: Right. Because he is like for his lack of defense five on five, he is a very good penalty killer. But like you said, I guess Torts doesn't trust him. And it's like we lead the shorthanded or we lead the league in shorthanded goals. And like, he's not even really a part of it. It is kind of wild.
1: Yeah. I mean, and he was that first year. You know, the very first year, I'm telling you, he, he was doing all sorts of stuff on the penalty kill. Now, he wasn't perfect, but he definitely had more highlights than he did low lights. Yeah.
2: Yep.
0: Ten points in his last ten games. Kevin Hayes, uh, hat trick on Tuesday night, uh, assist against Washington, assist against Buffalo, uh, goal and two assists against Arizona and two assists versus Anaheim. So five points in his last two games against the Ducks. It would be nice if the Flyers could play the Ducks and the uh, the Coyotes every game, huh?
1: <laughs> the Ducks are bad. Real. Yeah. Dude, I hate fantasy because I have to – I traded you for Gibson, who's a very oh. good goalie.
0: This was a couple years ago too, Trav. Okay.
1: Dude, dude. <laughs> dude he's dude, just wasting out there. Poor guy. He's, he, he's a little injury prone. They've done this guy no service. Like he no. is – that team is bad. I don't know how the ducks have like more points in Chicago right now. Like I know Chicago is really bad, but I still think the ducks are worse than Chicago. They they're bad. See they're the ducks,
0: strong. they set up for a proper tank. Cause you know what they did? They took a page out of Steve Eiserman's book, right? Like they have a young team, uh, obviously Mason, uh, Mason McTavish, Trevor egress. Uh, they have a defenseman that comes to uh, drysdale. Right yeah. Oh, he's hurt. Um, and you know what they did? They went out in the off season, They signed a guy like Frank, Toronto, John Klingberg, uh, not to be good, not to compete. These are guys that you can trade at the trade deadline. These are players that playoff teams want at the trade oh, deadline. Deals. yep. Right, Klingberg, but Betr- I'm not sure
1: contracts. Right,
0: so. so they know what they're doing there. They they have something cook, and they're going to try to get another low pick, whether it's Fantilli, uh, Bedard, Michkov, a player like that. Right. Uh, and, and here's the difference, though, because without, because oh, we can talk about it. Whatever we're going to, who knows how long we're going to go tonight. I think a franchise like the Anaheim Ducks can afford to do an extended rebuild like that. And it sucks, right? It sucks because the fans over there maybe don't give a shit as much as fans over here on the East coast. So they get to sit through bullshit because they don't really care if the Ducks suck and they want to cop more recently than the Flyers, So they're going to sit through that and they're going to get players like Mason McTavish, uh, like Trevor egress, like Bedard or whoever, because they suck. And they're going to be good, and they're going to be a lot of fun, and they're probably going to win a couple cups again, right? (laughs) Whereas on the East Coast, uh, and I'm speaking for myself here, we're a little bit more impatient, right? Like, I don't know what the Flyers have been doing for the last decade, right? (laughs) They haven't completely torn it down, which I is a lot of the problem. But still speaking for myself, I'm at the point where if if they do completely tear it down, I might not watch and I might not come back. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's just okay. too much BS. It's just I don't I'm not gonna sit around for another two, three, four years and watch slop so that we can hope to be good. Does that make sense? That's just I'm not saying there's any right and wrong in philosophy, but I think the markets are different. The ducks can afford to do that. Flyers fans, I don't know. I they may lose fans, they might lose me. I'm sure they don't care at this point. They certainly don't cater to to fans like us as much anymore. Uh, but I, I, that's my opinion. I don't. I don't think fans on the East Coast give teams the leeway that fans on the West Coast will give their teams to rebuild. Because I don't think fans on the West Coast give a shit. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
2: I remember Jeff Merrick in the summer said something very similar on his podcast. Like uh, I don't think Philadelphia has the fan base that's willing to sit through it. And then the very next episode of his podcast, he started it off and he was like, boy, was I wrong. I got so many tweets from Flyers fans. They want a complete teardown. And obviously Twitter only makes up like a small portion of the fan base, but definitely the younger fans, I think, I think majority just talking to people and seeing it on social media, a lot of the younger fans want to rebuild, uh, like a, a, tank, um, the Older fans, I think, are more in your your book.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, think about it. Like, when I was coming up, the Flyers were always in the mix for any good player, and they got a lot of them, but there was no cap. You right. Know, they didn't in, implement the salary cap to 06. You know, I mean, and it, it's still older play older fans don't get it. Like, you know, and, and younger fans watch the Sixers do it. You know, they you know, if you're a hockey fan, like me, like personally. It's the basketball of the of the four sports, it's the fourth for me. I still like it, but it's it's the fourth, so it's easy to kind of push it off. And now, they, you know, they, they're acquiring stars. They're they're a very very good team. They have a superstar, two superstars, you know. And it's like, man, like I like being. I know they haven't won it, but like I like that they're always in the conversation for good players. And they come playoff time, they're right there. They're, they're right there. They're, they're a couple of games away from the Eastern Conference Finals, and who the hell knows what can happen, you know? Flyers used to always be that team. Flyers were that team throughout the, the early – uh, the mid to late 90s, rather. You know, the Legion of Doom, which eventually transformed into the rona keith Primo years. You know, they were – they sniffed the cup in 97, obviously. I honestly thought they had a better chance and when they were up 3-1 against the Devils in 03, I believe it was. Like, you know, like – they, they, were, And even after that, no four with Tampa, they would, that was a game seven of the Eastern conference finals against a team that eventually won the cup. Like that's what we we run up with that we were used to. And that my dad, for, for example, was like, look, he watched them throughout the eighties. Like they were phenomenal in the eighties. They ran into the greatest uh, dynasty of all time with Gretzky and the Oilers. Like, you know, and in the seventies with the broad street bullies, but like, They've always been able to acquire talent and stay good. That got that constant flow of not being able to draft was taken away from them in 06. And then you were forced to have to do it a certain way. And it's not shocking that the team has faltered because they don't know how to do it that way. They, they aren't inept, but they're, they're not like these lower market teams. Like, come on, man. Everybody trampled all over Tampa Bay growing up. Now they're like the creme de la creme of the league. Like they could, all the team would do was draft. Like they were an expansion franchise. Florida's another one, you know, like think of Carolina, like these are all expansion franchises. Like they, this is what they know this bread and butter. They have to survive, you know? So, I mean, that, that that's, that's why I think the younger generation has seen other teams do it. Other teams in other sports do it. And I think they understand the concept with the salary cap, how you have to replenish, uh, with players not making money and use the money you do have to sign a Sabbath stars and get the combination together to make it work. But the Flyers are still stuck in the same they're, – they're trying. It's newer. They just haven't hit, but they're still stuck in the mud a bit, and they never did a full rebuild. People like to say, oh, their last rebuild didn't work. Really? When was that? When did they trade all their top talent and go for broke? That was a
2: retool in my eyes.
1: It was a more experienced retool. The best trades Hextall made were getting rid of dead contracts like Proveroff. Like, you know, the Cavalier. Like, that was, like, come on. Like, that was not a rebuild. It was a retool at best. And I I just, now we're just, every year, I feel like you're just wasting more time. Just wasting more time. And this was one year I thought they could have... If they really – if they got to get at least a top five pick, they could have, like, grabbed that stud and figured the rest out. But then you could argue back with me, what about all the dead money between all the injured players? And you know what? Great point. (laughs) I got nothing. I don't don't know what they're going to do. I just know if they get a real stud player, it's better than anything else they are going to do. I don't care how good you think Konechny is going to be. He could finish the season with 50 goals, 60 assists for 110 points and finish third in voting for the Hart Trophy. You still need two or three more of him to be up there with the Avalanche and the Rangers and Carolina and Boston and those teams.
2: Yep.
0: Well, maybe this guy could be one of those guys. Mr. Potential candidate for goal of the year. Morgan Frost, you guys want to talk about that goal last night? Because like I do with most things, I'm going to overreact. Gonna... <laughs> Someone's got to do it. So we I think we were talking, I don't know if it was in the group chat or if it was on the show uh, last episode, but we were talking about Claude Giroux. And actually, I think it was in the group chat. And, and Jack, you and Paul did a, a good job of refreshing my memory here. I couldn't really recall, like, Claude Giroux taking over games, yada, yada. And you guys did a great job of bringing up some Claude Giroux signature moments uh, where it was the shift against Pittsburgh, uh, the goal against Columbus, right? Do you guys remember that one? Oh, I remember. Backhanded.
2: I was at that game. That I was lit. Were you really?
1: Yeah. I don't know how that shit went in. I was at the one he scored with like a second left in overtime against Chicago. Okay. That was stupid. Like I was, I couldn't believe he scored. I still kept looking at the clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So back bar
2: uh, now. out. That
1: was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it was. I was like beyond, well beyond the circle. So, and here's my thing, because those were signature goals for Claude Giroux that you that we remember for the rest of our lives. The goal that Morgan Frost scored last night, I believe, will be a signature goal for Morgan Frost. It'll be something that we will talk about for the remainder of his career in Philadelphia. Uh, and I think we're seeing him turn that corner. I think. I'm he's not a point per game player. he's you know you call it a I'm gonna call it a breakout season as long as he continues on this pace. if Morgan Frost hit 40 45 points this year, I'm very happy with that and oh, he's great. on he's on that pace. Um, so I'm gonna overreact a little bit. I'm gonna say a goal like that. it exudes to me. it shows a confident hockey player, which if we've seen anything with players on this team, especially young players, confidence, goes a long way both ends if you're not a confident player you know you're Shane Gossespierre and you can't you can't get a team to take them from you uh if you're a confident player you Travis connect me this season right a uh, borderline all-star uh, I think somebody said he's got the most two-point games since December 1st in the NHL in a league with Connor McDavid you have the the most two-point games since December 1st that's pretty good that's what confidence can do to a player um I'm not saying Morgan Frost is is there yet, but I think we're slowly seeing him turn that corner into a productive uh, offensive hockey player. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Trev.
2: I'm all in. Uh, The past couple episodes, I was like, you know what? I want to see more. I want to see more. I'm all in on Morgan Frost. Um, As far as signature goals, I still remember the, his first one against Bob top shelf backhand. Mm. And I remember my dad the next day, he said, wow, this guy might be the next Sidney Crosby. I never went to that level, but I was really high on Morgan Frost for a while. And then for whatever reason, whether it's opportunity injury, him not moving his feet through the neutral zone, things tailed off, um, Things were up and down, you know, he started the season well, then it dipped and then he'd have a good game and then he'd have two bad games and then you wouldn't even see him for three and then he'd have two good, you know, huge roller coaster. but he's a, he's been a different player the last 20 or so games. I'd say, um, I'm all in the skills there. Maybe the torch effect has really pushed him the toilet seat. Maybe who knows? Maybe like. A lot of people make fun of Frost. I don't know if it's just because he's young or he's small or whatever, but like, uh, he'll never survive with Tortorella. And I kind of thought maybe he might be one of them guys, but maybe we were all wrong. Maybe he is a guy who likes to be pushed, and maybe Mike Yo and Elaine Vigneault weren't like that with him.
1: There's three things that happened to, to Frost, or with Frost, I should say, that have made him such a polarizing player in Philly. And the one's the fact that he was a first-round pick. Second's the fact that he was a part of the Shen deal, and the last one's is the very first goal he scored as a flyer. And it, as pretty as it was, it, it just unfortunately set these uh expectations for him that when they weren't, I still remember our podcast that Frost Warning everybody probably put Frost Warning and all that, but like <laughs> the, the hype, you know, and then for him to just have all these issues and just disappear for a while and then he was I don't want to get into it but he had a lot going on to finally see and my big thing with was with him was consistency and to see the consistency but as Jim was saying to now see the confidence because you're not even attempting something like that unless you have confidence and not only that he scored on it so now he's probably oozing with confidence i just hope he can really pick up the ball and and run like because Please, because if you if you can play your game that you're playing a juniors here, if you've already got, you don't have to worry about where the points coming from because you've already tallied enough where you could just play your game. And then to see him actually play his game and do something like that, it's like, man, the sky's the limit. Like I'm I'm not gonna say he's Crosby or anything, but <laughs> I definitely I definitely could see him being a very good piece moving forward if he can just stay consistent and stay confident. And uh, those are gonna be the two Cs with me. Uh, with him because um the first one was deaf one usually follows the other but to have seen it the way I did was like wow like okay I-, I liked what I was seeing from these other guys with the Tippets and the Allisons and the Ursons, you know, but we need more offensive players and I damn, <laughs> like that was that's great. I want to see more of that. I, I like when, uh, like look at Zegris in uh, Anaheim, how off that team's horrible, but like he was always on highlight reel ESPN, whatever plays. Like, if we had a guy like that, that changes the dynamic of your team and the whole uh, Tortorella. I hear he's an offensive guy. Well, that's an offensive guy. That's what you want to see. So maybe there is something to that. Maybe he is a guy that needs to be pushed whatever, man, whatever makes it happen because I'm, I'm, I don't, I'll never be all in. I've been, I've been burnt so many times. I have no hair left, but that bald joke, Jack. And you have more facial hair than <laughs> me if it makes you feel better. <laughs> um, but I'm, I couldn't be, this is the happiest I've been with frost since forever. Really?
0: Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're talking about a player who's got, Six goals, 10 assists in his last 17 games for 16 points. 16 points in his last 17 games. Yes, I know. Uh, Half of those points have come in two games against the same team. And he scored before last night when he scored against the Anaheim Ducks. His last goal was scored against the Anaheim Ducks on January 2nd. So uh, we're seeing him score more often now. And the points are coming. I think what i'll be looking for now is points against good teams right because i'm looking at i'm just looking at through the schedule here four points against arizona here a uh, goal against columbus uh i'm looking at a goal against anaheim four more points against arizona and assist versus washington a goal versus anaheim and yeah i purposely left out goals against toronto and, and new york um but i want to see points against good teams more often because uh, the Flyers are currently eight and two in their last ten. Right? Uh, he doesn't have. He didn't have a point against Los Angeles. Good team, I think. Didn't have a point against Toronto in a six-two loss. Uh, didn't have a point against uh, Buffalo. Four-nothing win. That's fine. Uh, and didn't have a point against uh, Boston. Obviously, no flyer did. So now it's like, okay, he's turning the corner. Can he keep going? Is there another level now that he can get to? You know, and uh, I think Tortorella is a guy who. I hope coaches as players like that. I I hope so what, and I think maybe this is why a coach like him maybe gets a bad rap because it's never going to be enough. And I'm going to say it's, it's, it's in a good way. It's out of love, right? Because you want the most from your player. You want to squeeze as much juice out of them as possible, not just to help the team win, but for their own benefit. Right. And so Morgan Frost, so he's trying to rip this other player out of him. He's trying to take him to the next level, and he's starting to taste that next level a little bit. As the coach, now it's your responsibility to say, all right, this, this kid can't get comfortable here now. This is not it for him. There's got to be another level. You know, How can we get him scoring against the Bruins or the, the Maple Leafs of the league, the Hurricanes of the league, that kind of thing. So now I'm interested to see, can he take this to another level in the same season, right? Because I don't think – like Trav we're we're happy with what we're seeing from Frost like like you're all in I'm overreacting Jacks I think being smart here kind of you know letting things play out a little bit um you know I, you we want to see another level right there's got to be another level to his game
2: yeah I mean we still don't know what his ceiling is like is he a is he a third line center is he a second line center I don't think he's a first line center maybe who we'll we'll see how the rest of the season goes but like you said, a whole another level is what we're all hoping for. Um, I don't know if you said his stats while I was gone. Like, I think 16, he's 16 points, 17 games, right? Like that's, that's like elite second line center numbers. Yeah. So if he keeps that up, that that's really good. Like we have a good, good, good player there. Can he be a first line center? That's what I want to find out in the next year or two.
1: So, Jim, there's something you said that I really liked, and it was um, about Tortorella, and it wins enough enough. Like, he always wants more. And I'm not comparing these players, but there's a similar story I have. You've probably heard me say this before. Um, in 1988-89 season, Brett Hull was with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, at this point, his best season was 26 goals, 24 assists, for 50 points in 52 games. The year before, he only played five. The year after, he only played 13. Or he got traded. So he actually uh, his second season he was thirty goals, thirty uh, something assists. So to have forty one goals and forty three assists was a significant step up and definitely eye opening in the league. His coach, who I do not know at this time, basically did exactly what you were saying. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Forty goals is nice, but you're so much better than that. Like, why be satisfied with that? In nineteen eighty nine to 1990 in 80 games he scored 72 goals 41 assists for 113 points i mean in the year after that 86 goals 45 points we all know who brett hole is like that kind of philosophy turns very good players into great players and that's exactly what a guy like this needs so i'm not saying he'll reach those numbers but i i definitely like the idea the ideology behind
0: it yeah i think everybody would i mean as fans like it would- I gave up on the kid and I, I'm going to have a lot of crow on my face. I think throughout the rest of this season, because, you know, I wasn't the biggest connect Me fan, which is amazing. This season, <laughs> uh, I was done with frost, you know, 23 year old kid. It's like, how much longer we got to wait here to see anything, a glimpse of anything. Right. I would have been happy with this last, like, let's be honest. Let's be real. He's not blowing the doors off of anything here. We're talking about, tw- I think we're talking about 20 some points in, in 40 games. Like, uh, like that, uh, so how do I say this with that without sounding negative? That's that's where things were with Morgan Frost. That we would be happy with 21 points in 44 games, right? Because it's something. It's a glimmer of hope. There's something there. He's got nine goals in 44 games, and, and I'm mean, okay with that.
1: It would tell me he's an NHL player, which is right. like the minimum what we were hoping for.
0: Yeah, because there was there was doubts like this guy's not cut out. You know, is his playing style can it can it translate to the NHL? And, uh, you know, there's signs of life, you know, where if I was ready to give up before, and now I'm kind of like, well, let's wait a second. Like, let's maybe not, you know, I don't know. I'm, I don't think, and here's so here's the the difficult part, because it's like, well, when the guy's stock's high, if you can trade them, you should, right? So come trade deadline. If Morgan Frost is, let's say, the throw-in piece in a deal for, I, I don't know for what, or if a team comes calling for Morgan Frost, do you explore that possibility, Jack? Or do you say, well, we might have something with Frost here. Let's bring him back for cheap next year. I don't know what cheap is, a million, 1.5. Sign him to a two-year deal and see what happens. You know, he's only 23. Let's see what happens when he's 25. What do you think?
1: Realistically, I mean, I'm always listening, you know, but I I would like to have him for the next – 3 or 4 years like that that would really tell me what he is like by that time he'll be I'm not sure how old he'll be but I know he'll be old enough to reach that threshold where like this is who you are essentially with most players you know he'll he'll be of that that age however if somebody comes along and is just like Give you a 2023 first, and it's like, <laughs> really, are you in the playoff race? You know, like, <laughs> because that that might be too good to turn down. However, I I really doubt anything like that would happen. Um, it would have to be significant. I'm I'm not because what are you hoping for? You know, you're hoping for a prospect of the same ilk. You know, so I'm not going to start trade him and just start the same exact process over. If I'm starting to see this, you start to see the flower bloom you don't throw out the flower for a seed like it just doesn't make sense like let it bloom like you know you are this is what you built for us we went through all the the um the hardships for the growing pains it was all for this you know so to abandon ship unless you get blown away with an offer would be silly
2: i think a lot of it comes down to what the organization's plan is um like if you are doing a full-fledged tank which it doesn't seem like they are but um Elliot friedman kind of made some weird comments uh, was it three or so weeks ago when he was like i think the organization's gonna i guess it was two weeks ago the organization's gonna think about everything in the next handful of months here and it sounded like the front office was kind of warming up to the whole full-fledged rebuild in that case i think you think about it but he is at the age like he's not 26 27 28 he's 23 so maybe you bought him out for two to three years and then you still have him at a good level i don't know if that's worth it that's it all depends what the organ organization's plan is but if if you're trying to compete next year you want them on your roster now like jack said if you get blown away by a a trade offer you got to definitely think about it but um if you're trying to win next year in the next two years like you want morgan frost on your roster in my eyes
1: so travis i um i was gonna think about this for a while before i just blurted it out but after what you said it was elliot freeman i believe you said um you, you know who i think they might be talking about when they talk about full rebuild besides the obvious bad contracts and proveroff's issues I think they might be talking about connecting.
2: I was wondering that too, but in my eyes, like you, you, you're either all in or you're all out. You're like, you're, you're trading connect me Sandheim. You try to get rid of Risto. You try to get rid of Hayes, frost JVR. Like you're either getting rid of everybody or you're moving forward with connect me and frost and Sandheim. Like that's my philosophy. So, so I think, Connect me, they could get a ridiculous
1: haul for him right now because his contract's so good. Uh, where Frost is making nothing, he's probably better. I don't think you're going to get blown away with an offer for him. You might as well just keep him. We're, and he's 23 right now, like you said. We're, what's me right now? 26. Okay. 26.
2: His birthday is March 11th, the day He'll before be mine. I know
1: that. He'll be 26 March 11th. Okay. So he's 3 years older but he's still young. And he's what I was saying about when you reach a certain age that's usually the player you are. So far it's really only 1 year of this like although I will give him credit for the bubble year. But like he went through so much hardship that his value was pretty bad. Now it's at a point where he's out of his mind. It's like do they do do they think they can turn it around with him on the team when he's he might be 30 or more, older. Or do they replenish the cupboards by – because you're going to be stu- – it's not just like the talent on the team. You're going to be stuck. You can't spend money because of Couturier, because of Ellis, because of even Sandheim to an extent, like the eight-year deal and whatnot. And you just have these these anchors weighing you down that I can see them hanging on to Frost and waiting for him that ma- before they trade him to – If I don't know if it will ever happen, but have a – connecting esque breakout uh-huh. uh, where connecting A- has had it and he's older. So I think if they were to go balls to the wall, training everybody, obviously bad contracts are on the table. Don't think most of them get
2: moved. Um, At that maybe, point that if, if that's the situation, then it's almost like them guys help you hit the cap floor. Like the coots contract, the Hayes contract.
1: Uh, I mean, I could see him get rid of one you know, best case scenario too, but I don't, I don't know. They're, they're just, they're so long. They're just so long. And um, I don't know what they're going to do because they don't know what they're going to do. Like we saw that last off season. And I just think if they do go nuclear, um, I think some of the, I think I'm more inclined to think a guy like Frost will still be here, at least in the short term. Uh, But I, that comment, it screams connect me. Some people might argue Hart. I think it's way too early for that. Like, come on, man. Like Urson's been very good, but it's just talk about a small sample size, you know, where connect me strike why the iron's hot, man. Definitely. Definitely possible. I, better be a hell of a return. I don't think they have the balls to do it. Be honest, but you never know.
2: Yeah. Like the Elliot comment. I, I think he was just kind of talking about the roster as a whole not just one or two specific guys, but my, my initial thought was like, wow, if you decide to do it now or next year, like you're, you're at least a year behind because you should have did it for the Bedard year, not the year after. Like what, what is the thought process there? If you decided to yeah. full fledged tear this thing down, you waited a little bit too long,
1: but is that not the flyers MO to do everything wrong yep. and out of order and late? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep see it. it's true it's true especially chuck fletcher you know he just waits too long for things um i heard sam Erson's name mentioned in there and another fun thing to talk about i mean we're almost we're coming up on uh let me see what we're at here time wise sorry boys uh all right well, we got about 10 minutes left for two hours so we won't we won't go over two because that's that's a bit long uh, we will chop this episode up so if you're still listening if you're listening to this episode, go back. Make sure you listen to the first hour. Uh, it's a separate show. Anyways, Samuel Urson, five uh, and Seven games played. I believe six starts. One came in uh, in relief of heart uh, Monday night against the Monday against the Bruins. Five and zero. Sam Urson, two point three seven goals against average, nine one eight save percentage, and a shutout. Right? Then he shuts. He shut out the Sabers. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, So I'm not jumping the gun here. I know I like to overreact. It's fun. You know, it gets the people going. But I don't think I'm ready to say move over Carter Hart yet. I don't think I'm ready to say, let's see what's out there for Carter Hart. Let's replace him with Ersan. Very small. See, like this to me, small sample size. Uh, Seven games. Playing very well. Looks very calm. Very composed. Under control. All the C words in the net, right? Um, Should Carter Hart be worried that his starting job could be in question here? Uh, Should he be worried, you know, that he could be moved? Uh, Trav, I'll ask you, I mean, let's talk about Sam Ersan first and then kind of segue into a a Hart potential mover. What could happen there?
2: So as far as Ersan goes, Very impressed by him. Um, I never saw him play before until that uh, rookie game against the Islanders, and I was like, holy crap, this guy's like – he's got skill. It's a rookie game, right? So, But he was making a lot of quick reflex saves. Like, all right, this guy's got something there. Um, I mean, I'm sure we all remember the Hamburglar from the Senators. We all remember Uh Nitamaki. Like, goalies come – they have have a really good 10 games and then a book kind of gets out on them and then they tail off. So definitely have to see more. I'm kind of like that with everybody, but um, I'm curious what they do with the whole Sandstrom thing. Like, do you keep him as the third string? Do you wave him? Like, I don't know. Sam Harrison has to be on the roster the rest of the season in my eyes. He's totally deserved it. Um, Going over to Carter Hart, does he have worry about a trade? I don't think so, just because of this whole Team Canada thing that's going on. Um, I don't think anybody would give up major assets for someone who's involved in this allegation until it gets solved. Um, And that, I just think that's a smart business move. Um, I doubt he's involved, I'll be honest, but who knows? Things are still going on. Um, I don't think that's anything to worry about from our perspective, but as a other GM, I don't think they would do it. Um, does he have a chance of losing starts? I do think so. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like it's a learning year. Why not just go heart Harrison, Hart, Harrison. I don't have a problem with that. Uh,
1: nor do I, I think that's good for hearts. Like, I don't. I don't want to say confidence, but like overall mental state, like to to throw him into to shelling after shelling. At least that's how it used to be. Um, uh, you know, to, to be able to because we know I, I seriously doubt the Flyers are going to be able to hold this up for the rest of the year. This this strong play, and you're going to start playing better teams more often. And you know, <laughs> right in the middle of this you know, eight and two run, these was hearts get shelled and gets pulled and whatnot. Um. I almost wanted them to start the Anaheim game. Well, then again, they're playing Chicago, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Just because you gotta get the confidence back. But yeah. let's not forget how good he is. Let's not forget that he was this team's best player for quite a while. It's very easy to hate the goalie because they're here to stop pucks and you get scored on. It's you know, I, I've been with like brand I have a friend from South Africa, and when he first came over, it was like Steve Mason was the goalie and that was his most hated flyer. I'm like, <laughs> I got I'm like, it's because he's the goalie. Like, you know, like he gets, the goalie doesn't stop the puck. You know, you don't understand everything that happens before the goal, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think Hart gets a lot of hate from that. And it's like, if you knew anything about how horrible the team was, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, th- most people that have come have realized that he's had enough good games this season, even the start of the season was hard we weren't, you know, um, the one thing I'll say about Ursan is I'm not, I don't think he's worried about a trade, definitely not yet, nothing like that. I think that's, I don't want to say silly, but I think that's uh immature thinking at this point. Um, one thing I will say about Urson and the organization is, and I didn't say this, I didn't do my own research. I've just what I heard about the organization, they were always high on him mm-hmm. with the Yustaminkos and the Sandstroms and all and the Fedotanko. for all these guys, like. He was the top-ranked goalie. He just was further away. They always had him ranked highly. And kudos to them for that because now that he's actually here, holy shit, like this is going to, at the end of the day, be a very good problem to have at this point. It's way too early to, like you say, you brought up some blasts from the past, and it's totally understandable. You don't want to trade what could be a stud Hall of Fame goalie and being dramatic, and then stick with a guy and if find out he's Nidamaki, you know, because I remember being pretty high in Nidamaki that 04 or 05, whatever year it was, AHL Calder Cup was nice, but you know, you, you, you're not hitching your wagons to that, and um, things would go south real quick. So, I would just enjoy the ride, just enjoy the ride with these guys. You didn't have a backup, you got really lucky because they, they knew that they wanted. Uh, the one guy and he's fighting a battle right now and they didn't have anything. And I was grilling them for not having a backup goalie. And, you know, they went with Sandstrom who's been okay, but Ursan is really just taking the ball and run with it. And I don't even think they thought it was, he was ready yet. They just were, you know, out of options. And that's, that's just, it's just good to see. It's good to see enjoy the ride. Let's let's not get crazy. Now we got enough crazy this season as it is. Let's let's let it ride. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not worried about Hart. How's
2: that? Yeah, right. Um, I I was in the minority, like, I didn't want them to sign a veteran backup just for the sole purpose of we're already cap strapped and it's a learning year. Like, just let Sandstrom be. But um, I mean, we got Carter Hart, we got Sam Harrison, we got this Kolosov guy over in the KHL who's dominating and he's getting um, oh, yeah, comparisons yeah. to Sorokin. Uh who knows if uh, Fedetov ever comes over. I mean, in the words of Howie Roseman with the quarterback factory, did, did Chuck Fletcher build a, a goalie factory? Yeah.
1: That, that blows my mind. His <laughs> first, first goalie acquired was Roddy Ross, and he's the one with the <laughs> uh, seventh-round pick, but still. yeah. I mean, it's a good problem to have, and it's definitely going to, if they do it right, bring back a lot of assets if they move these guys. They just never do. That's the thing. I, I, I don't know. So, um, yeah, I mean, Stolar's doesn't count. I don't know what the hell that trade was, Uh but, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I think this season's too early for any of that.
0: I think, yeah, I think let's end on that note. You know, the flyers are a goalie factory and enjoy the ride. (laughs) I think that's a perfect way to
1: their goalie factory. GM of the year.
0: I I couldn't agree more with, with, uh, what jack said there like just enjoy the ride you know why why push for someone to be traded like they have an opportunity if the flyers are set anywhere knock on wood it's in goal and they haven't been set back there and i don't know maybe our entire lives so yeah let let that figure itself out let it let it run its course and 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 go from there and figure out the rest as we go here Um, i do have one
1: question does anybody know yeah was there ever a season in NHL history where a GM won GM of the year and got fired in the same season?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question.
1: Could be a first. I it think, it uh, happened
2: in the NBA a couple years ago with the Raptors. But hockey, year, I'm was not a, sure.
1: Was the year they won the, uh, the NBA
0: championship?
2: I don't remember. It was recent. It might have been the year before that.
0: I know Trot's one coach of the year and was just fired a year a year ago, right? Well, I, he resigned. He was fired, right? I think they didn't
2: they didn't resign him.
1: They didn't resign him because yeah, oh, that's they, it. Okay.
2: All wanted right, too right, much right. money or something.
0: GM was also pretty fired yeah.
1: But yep. I mean, see, that's yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm like, he didn't have a contract, so you can't fire a guy, I don't have a contract, so I don't care. Yeah. You know? No, I don't know.
2: My my last thing will be um kind of what you guys are saying there's a lot of fans out there who are pissed off that they're winning games and i get it i was totally on let's tank let's get bedard let's let's bottom out get a top three pick for the next three seasons they decided in the off season, when they traded for tony d'angelo they signed john tortorella and they kept Konechny, Sanheim, sandheim and provrov they were not tanking that was decided in the off season, so let's just have fun let's win games let's see what happens the rest of the way
1: I still hope they find a way to find I'm a way in the top five. <laughs> Please, it's possible and, they got a lot of division games to go.
0: Enjoy it as it happens. Start trading yeah, guys I now. I mean, that's a thing. That's a thing because this this nice stretch that they're on, they're winning, but the competition hasn't been that great. So let's see what happens when they start to you know get into <laughs> the st- media. We did see what happened so. <laughs> when we yeah. went to Boston. That was that yep. was a blast. Yep. Somebody said that was a measuring a measuring stick game. I'm like, man, the only stick that's going to be used is to beat the Flyers ass in that game. That's not a, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're yeah, playing a team that's 35, 5, and 4. You know what I mean? Like,
2: like we're, we're good on, enough and we're well coached enough. We're gonna beat the ducks, the coyotes, but when it comes to them higher yeah. teams, we're still very outmatched.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't expect them to
2: beat yeah.
0: Boston. I just I did hoped it wasn't wouldn't be six nothing. Yeah. It was like a slow six, nothing. Like they were, the Flyers were never really close to. Uh, at least I didn't think putting the puck in the net. It was like a slow. All right, Bruins lot. are going to score two goals here, two goals here, and two <laughs> goals here. Huh? Like it wasn't like an onslaught, you know. But uh, all right, so we went on. We went over two hours for for this episode. Like I said, we are going to cut this uh, episode up into an hour a piece. So if you're listening to this part now, you didn't go back and listen to part one. Go listen to part one. It's uh, it's an hour. Of, of our thoughts and uh, opinions on uh, Ivan Provorov and what happened on, on Pride night. Side two was more uh, of the positive things happening in the land of the Philadelphia Flyers. So hopefully you enjoyed both episodes and uh, yeah, that's going to do it for tonight uh, for this week. Uh, thanks for hanging out as always. next time, uh, The next time you catch us live will be uh, sometime next week. Uh, so make sure you're drinking your green stuff, taking your vitamins. Everybody uh, for Travis and Jack, I'm Jim. Enjoy the rest of your night and we'll talk to you soon. Go Flyers.